Oregon's quarterback room is getting just a little teeny tiny minor tweak that's, you know, worthy of note, not earth shattering, but definitely worthy of note. And there aren't that many Will Richardsons in the world anymore, and we should appreciate the one we've got. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster and lifelong Oregon Ducks fan. Thanks for making this your first listener or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. Like, comment, subscribe wherever you are listening to or watching this show. Hit me up with a follow on Twitter as well, at Locked on Ducks and or at Smalls underscore 55 are the Twitter accounts. I appreciate all of you who have already followed, liked, subscribed, commented, left a review, all that good stuff. This episode is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has covered the season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. So just a teeny bit of uh, quarterback news here. Nothing big that is going to shake up the room dramatically. But, you know, we want to know everyone that we can on the roster, and we want to have an understanding of who these guys are so that in the off chance that you do see Jake Van Dyne play, you know, exactly who he is so aj abbott has transferred out of uh the program he is uh going to play the remainder of his college football eligibility elsewhere he spent just one season with the ducks he was a walk-on was the number i think probably five quarterback last year because you had robbie ashford in the room number four coming into this year and now he leaves but the ducks add uh, an fcs level quarterback by the name of jake van dyne by the way quick note on, on aj abbott if you didn't know he uh, he broke Andrew Luck's single season touchdown record at Stratford High School in Texas. Pretty good, uh, pretty good claim to fame, so to speak, as far as your quarterbacking capabilities are concerned. And, uh, you know, also a pretty good thing to be able to claim is that you made my uh, completely conjectured list of Oregon football players who i think would be the best uh four golfers on the team so that was uh he just he he made the four-man lineup it was uh troy franklin byron cardwell uh i think i had oh gosh i don't even remember now uh aj abbott was in there and then there was a big guy too i think maybe noah sewell or, or justin Flo. i think it might have been justin Flo because he'd be uh he'd be a big time hitter and such but uh, so and not huge news here. Jake Van Dyne comes in from Missouri State. He was a backup quarterback there as well. So this is really just a body. This is just a practice squad guy. Not that those guys don't matter. Not those players aren't relevant to uh, a program because that's, you know, the the sort of guy who, who's, who the offense is going to up against, right? It, every day in practice, he's going to be the scout team quarterback. And so we aren't going to see the impact that that he'll have on the program, if, if any, or program, if any at all. But doesn't mean that that it isn't there. Um, but he comes uh, to Oregon by way of Missouri State and the transfer portal, and he's coming in as a walk-on. Don't expect him to ever see the field. If he's on the field, we're either up by a lot of points, like a lot of points, and there are a bunch of injuries, or there are just an unprecedented number of injuries in Oregon's quarterback room. So, you know, ho- hoping that that doesn't happen, because even if we are up by a bunch of points, I want the reps to go to Ty and or Jay, whichever one is more more ready to see the field. So uh, but he comes from Missouri State, which might be a name you, you kind of recognize, like maybe possibly 
but probably not. The last time Duck fans would have heard of Missouri State was 2011 when they came to Autzen Stadium. Actually took a 7-0 lead on the Ducks. They went down 9-play, 84-yard drive to go up uh, a touchdown on uh, Oregon's team back then, led by the uh, Chip Kellys, Darren Thomases, Michael James, DeAnthony Thomases of the world. Final score of that game was 56-7 to at Autzen. Michael ran for 206 yards and three touchdowns. But that's probably the last time we heard of Missouri State, and now they are sending a player our way. So just kind of funny how all that works. Just a quick little, uh, little piece of, of quarterback news there. But the bulk of the show today, we're, we're talking a, a little bit of Oregon basketball. And, you know, perhaps my, my biggest, most incorrect take here on the show to date has been that Will Richardson was not going to come back for a fifth season in Eugene. I'm very glad that he is, but I didn't think that was going to happen. And lo and behold, here we are. It, it's, it's going to happen. And. Will Richardson, uh, by virtue of doing that, is demonstrating, I think, how unique of a player and person he is in today's environment of college basketball and and really college sports writ large now as it's kind of carried over in terms of roster turnover and players leaving programs a lot um, in, uh, in, in college football as well. But Will Richardson is exactly the sort of player that every college basketball team really wants. And increasingly, he's the sort of player that is very hard to come by. You just don't find a lot of guys like him because he came to Oregon as a four-star recruit. His composite rating on 24-7 sports was uh, uh, .9832. So it's way, way up there, like bordering on the brink of five-star. And as a freshman... He played 24 minutes a game, which is, you know, a pretty good run for a freshman. But for somebody who's pretty highly rated recruit nowadays, maybe that's not enough for some guys. But it was enough for Will Richardson. He was a regular rotation player and starter on that team. But he was playing second fiddle to Peyton Pritchard and averaging just six points a game. And Pritchard, a guy who we're going to get to a little bit later in the show, mailback question came in about the current Celtics backup point guard and former Oregon Duck. But... I, I just think that you don't see a lot of guys like that who are going to come in with, you know, that much attention. And by the way, Dior Johnson, a really good example. He never even made it to Oregon. He thought the the guard room, probably because of Will Richardson, was a little bit too crowded and he wasn't going to have enough playing time as a freshman, didn't want to stay committed and wait his turn. And he's going to go, I believe, to Pitt. He uh, thought about going to Washington State. I'm glad he didn't go there because Kyle Smith has done a really good job with guards over the years going back to his time at San Francisco as the head coach. But I just think that you, you look at a guy like Will Richardson and there, there are not a lot of him. Somebody who's pretty talented, has a good amount of hype coming in, plays as a freshman but doesn't play a ton, isn't heavily involved, and he just embraces his role. If you go back and watch those games where he was a freshman, he was all in at the defense end. He was grinding at that in the court. He wasn't worried about stats. He wanted to do whatever was necessary to win the game. And he was a part of a team that won a good number of games. And he was somebody who, you know, was a starter, was a key contributor, but was also somebody who just embraced his role and also embraced the, the mindset of, I'm not the guy right now, but my time will come to, you know, be the number one guy and that I need to grow into that particular mindset and also approach to 
to my game. And we saw that with Peyton Pritchard as well. I mean, he was basically a, a catch and shoot guy for the most part as a freshman when he was on the final four team with Dylan Brooks and everybody, because they were the lead players on the team. But by the time Peyton Pritchard left, he was bailing out our offense on every other possession and we couldn't survive with it. I mean, if Peyton Pritchard wasn't on that team, Oregon probably wins maybe fewer than 20 games for the first time in Dana Altman's tenure. I mean, there was some talent there, but I mean, it was a very Peyton Pritchard driven team, but that's not what he came in as when, when he was a freshman and Richardson's career has gone that way as well. And it reminds me of a, a really, really wise and an awesome story. I'll tell you after I remind you that bet online is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and major league baseball. Go Mariners. Maybe I should stop saying it because they're so bad. And I I don't know. I don't think anything can help them at this point. It's just a cursed franchise. But uh, what's not cursed is Bet Online, which remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. So when I was in middle school, I you know played basketball uh, pretty heavily. It was kind of the main sport that that I focused on. I went down to this camp and I actually forgot the name of the coach. I should have maybe looked it up, but uh, the 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 camp was at Willamette University. And shout out to Willamette, not just for putting on a great camp back then, but also uh, it's where my dad got his master's degree. So the coach was talking to everyone at the camp. And he had this, this great piece of wisdom that, generally speaking, applies but should not apply to Will Richardson. And what he told us is something that sticks with me to this day. And it was about living in the moment. And, you know, the, the conclusion of what he said is whatever you're doing, when you're enjoying something, if you're having laughs with friends and it's just contagious and, and your stomach hurts, you're laughing so hard, or you're in a place that you love, or you're at... Uh, a point in your life where everything is just going really well. Take a moment, close your eyes, take a breath, and just live in the moment for a second and remember how you feel right then and there, and then be able to hold on to that and have it as a memory that's, that you can go back to maybe when times are not going so smoothly or a little bit tougher, or you just want to kind of temporarily transport yourself somewhere else. And so I, I've done that my whole life when I'm on vacation. I'm just you know, in a really good spot, or it could be any random day on the golf course. I just close my eyes, take a breath and think this is exactly where I, I would want to be right now. And, you know, it's all about living in the moment. And I love that, that message, especially because people are all about being on their phones, like way, way too much in society, generally speaking, in my humble opinion. And I, I just, I, I love that. And it's always stuck with me. However, that wonderful, truly awesome piece of advice should not apply to Will Richardson here. Because if you lived in the moment purely or the, the most recent memory that we have of Will Richardson, you might not have a very high opinion of him. But th there are things that we all need to remember here. Coming into this season, he was clearly Oregon's number one. He was also a 1A, I would say 1A, 1B with Chris Duarte on the previous year's squad that got to the Sweet 16 that included a trouncing of uh, number two seed Iowa in the West region. Yeah, I think that I think that top left is is West region and March Madness and whatnot. But 
this past season was his fourth year coming into the program. And, you know, he'd always played heavy minutes, but I think coming into this season, he was having to shoulder a lot more expectations from a, a leadership and production standpoint than he was in previous years under Dane Altman with the other teams, because you had a guy like, like Chris Duarte or, you know, Peyton Pritchard was uh, alongside you, whatever the case may be. And he, he's the sort of guy that, that we want in college basketball. And it's easy to remember the, the offensive struggles he had. It's easy to remember, you know, the fact that he was sick and unavailable for the last few weeks of the year, right? It felt weird. And that's why I thought he wasn't going to come back, but it, don't, don't be mistaken. I'm very glad that, that he is. I mean, this is the sort of guy who doesn't just have college basketball experience. He's got college basketball winning experience and he knows how to produce and he knows how to score. And I think that he has the potential and needs to, for the sake of the team, take a next step forward as a leader, because this past season, you know, in a, in a year where we, we were constantly talking here on, on the show, myself and Ryan winter and other people who follow the program were point out, like, it seems like the team has no alpha. Like there's no leader in there who, who's galvanizing everybody. And, I think it was supposed to be Will Richardson. He was our undisputed number one all season long. He was our best and most consistent player all season long. But shouldering the responsibility of being a, a leader and holding other guys accountable and being, you know, a, a true number one is a different level of responsibility, I think. And, you know, he, he's had such a great impact on on the Oregon basketball program during his time. I, I mean, it's far more impactful than, you know, some big-time five-star recruits like uh, like Lou King or uh, Troy Brown, you know, guys who came in, were really talented, did some uh, good things. But overall, you want players like Will Richardson, and you want them to hang around at your program. I mean, I know what I'm going to get from Will Richardson from a production standpoint. He can improve his percentages a little. I think his field goal percentage could go up a touch. His three-point shooting is below what, what he's capable of from this past season. I would like to see him hit at least 80% of his free throws. He was like 77% this past season, I think. But overall, those are really little things. And it's important to remember, going back to how, how I started this segment, of don't be a prisoner of the moment. Live in the moment, but don't be prisoner of the moment. That's the wisdom that I've got for you today with regards to Will Richardson. Don't don't think of the most recent impression you have of him as a basketball player and think that that's the sort of guy who's coming back. This guy was a, a multiple-time Pac-12 player of the week. When we went down and upset both USC and UCLA, he was sensational. I mean, he, he was, I'm pretty sure he had 35 or something against UCLA and he was a two-time Pac-12 player of the week this year. That's not his, in his career. That was this season. He was our leading scorer, led the team in assists, I believe as well. Does he need to, need to improve on some things? Yes. Down the stretch. I don't think that's the Will Richardson we're going to get in the 2022-23 season. And I think it's important for us to realize that it's a really good thing that that he is back because I know what I'm going to get from him. And, you know, in Dane Altman's system, maybe Jermaine Kuznar doesn't pan out the way that we're hoping. Now, I don't think that's going to be the case, but you, you never expect a guy to not work out when he comes to your school. And, you know, maybe Bartholomew doesn't quite take uh, another step forward or isn't able to replicate the production he had at Colorado this past year, or maybe there's a big injury somewhere. You just, you never know what's going to happen. And, you know, barring an injury to Will Richardson or, you know, him getting really sick again, which this seems pretty unlikely. I know what I'm going to get for him. 
or from him. And I know that it's going to be good. I know it's going to be productive and he's just such a solid player in so many ways. Doesn't mean he can't still improve, but that's probably why he wants to be in Eugene again with Dane Holtman, because that's his coach. That's his guy. It's the only college basketball coach that he has played for. And of course he's had assistants come and go, you know, coach Crutchfield is gone and coach Martin came uh, to the program from South Carolina. I got to talk to him uh, not long ago on the show, but it was last uh, Friday. Go check it out on YouTube or wherever you're listening to the show right now on, on podcast. It, it was a phenomenal interview. He's, he's a really, really great guy to encourage you to go in and check that out. I love getting to talk to him. Hopefully we'll be able to bring him back on when, uh, when, when we're leading up to the season, maybe even when the season gets going as well. That might be wishful thinking on my part. But uh, anyway, I digress. I'm glad Will Richardson is back. We all should be, and I just think he's the sort of player that is really hard to come by in college basketball and not somebody who is going to, you know, not every team has a Will Richardson who is going to be with your team for five years. Now that's an anomaly because of the COVID year, of course, but even four years. Not everybody's going to be get going to be able to to find a lot of players who are as productive and talented as Will Richardson, but who also decide to stick around not just early in his career, but later in his career as well. And I, I think that's a really good thing that we should all be able to appreciate and be excited about as it pertains to the roster this well. I roster this year. I think if you look at a starting five uh, of Richardson, Kuznard, Garrier, Kellel Ware, who is looking better and better by the way probably going to be a one and done but he he appears to be i've talked about how there might be an adjustment there and maybe it'll take him a little bit i might be wrong on that as well i would love to be maybe it'll only take a, a few games not a, a few dozen games or or 10 games or so but um he, he's been tearing it up at, at, at team usa stuff and he gets a lot a lot of hype and there there's a reason there but you start will kuznard gary Kellaware, and uh, and Folly Dante, I think that's a starting five that can that can compete for a Pac-12 championship. And I would view it differently if it didn't have Will Richardson. I would still like it, but would I feel as good about it without Will Richardson there? No, because I like Bartholomew coming off the bench more than you know having him step into a starting point guard role. But having Richardson there, I think, is a really, really key piece. And anybody who follows Pac-12 basketball, I think, would tell you the same thing. Speaking of Will Richardson and the player that he was behind uh, back in the day, one Peyton Pritchard, uh, one of the uh, most active listeners that we've got here on the show, who I appreciate greatly. Duck Demon is how I know him on Twitter. He sent me a question via the DMs, which all of you can do as well at Locked on Ducks or at Smalls underscore 55 are the handles. You can hop in the YouTube comments. You can tweet with the hashtag AskLODPod. Four different ways you can get a question answered right here on the show by yours truly. And as always, I give it the full run through. I will never, ever, ever, ever just give you like a couple sentence response. If you take the time to ask me a question, I'm going to give you everything I got on it. So here is what Duck Demon wants to know about a hashtag pro duck in Peyton Pritchard. He says, OK, Spence, my mailbag question. Did Peyton Pritchard show enough this year to cement his place on the Celtics squad? Funny that we were just talking about recency bias and living in the moment without being a prisoner of the moment. Because if the Boston Celtics were prisoners of the moment with Peyton Pritchard, he might not play a lot next year. But that wouldn't be a very good idea. 
He struggled mightily in the NBA Finals. He missed an open layup. He didn't shoot it well from three. He was 6 of 20 from the floor, and he was 3 of 14 from beyond the arc. Both, you know, I mean, that, that's not the sort of player he typically is. What you have to consider is it was his first NBA Finals, and I'm sure he's dreamed about that moment since he was a kid. And, I mean, that that's you can be as mentally tough as you want when you step onto that court and you realize you're playing in the NBA finals, you look across the court, you're going to guard Steph Curry at some point. Mike Breen is over there doing the play-by-play calling out your name in the NBA playoffs in the finals. It feels different. And I think he just clearly wasn't ready for that particular moment. And the other side, the other thing you have to consider is, Golden State is one of the best defenses in the NBA. So it's not like anybody on Boston was consistently efficient from the floor, not named Jalen Brown, who is a really, really good looking player and I think emerging star in uh, the NBA, even more so. I think before people viewed him as like, oh, yeah, he's a good, nice player. I watched him and the Celtics would maybe have won one game if he hadn't been. I mean, he was really, really good, but Pritchard was not. I, I don't expect that Boston is going to worry about it too much because they know all the same things that I know. This is a second-year player who we don't expect a lot out of. Now, would we like him to perform better than he did in that particular NBA playoff series? Yes, very much so. And I think that's a reasonable expectation. I would bet my life savings that Peyton Pritchard would tell you the same thing as well, that he wants to be better than he was in that series. But the good news for him is he's played two seasons in the NBA and he's got a four year rookie contract. So he's got two more years to kind of show what he can do. Maybe, you know, get some more playing time or or score better. But his percentages overall are pretty solid. And if you're looking at and he's probably not going to be a, a starting point guard, but a backup point guard in the NBA. Yeah, I think he can clearly be that because so far he's averaging seven points a game, about two boards, two assists. 43.5% from the floor, 41% from beyond the arc, and 92% at the line. Those are his career averages in two seasons in the NBA. That's a great place to be if you're trying to carve out a, a, a career role as a backup point guard. I think those numbers are, are more than solid enough to keep him in that mix. Now, whether or not he gets a contract extension from the Celtics, it, probably not, unless he takes a major leap forward. But I, I don't really see that happening to the point where they would want to give him, you know, a two year, uh, I, I don't know, 12, 15 million dollar deal or or whatever it would be. I haven't looked recently at what the, the going rate is for a solid backup point guard. But I think after the four years with the Celtics, maybe they exercise a fifth year option to to keep him around. Would I suspect that he plays his entire career in Boston? No, I bet you at some point he'll leave and go find a, a role somewhere else. And, you know, I think for him. He looks like a guy who, you know, might play on several NBA teams over the course of his career, or maybe Boston really grows to like him and they want to keep him coming off the bench. But, you know, maybe he also wants to show that he can do a little bit more and he he has the ability, I think, to grow. I think his absolute max ceiling, though he's much smaller than, than Jalen Brunson is uh, is the Mavs point guard who's kind of exploded onto the scene. But Brunson came in the same way. It looked like he'd be a career backup, came out of Villanova, just a solid player, was there for four years, and now has burst onto the scene as a, a pretty legit-looking guard in, in the NBA who's just ripe for a big, overvalued contract from somebody like the Sacramento Kings or Detroit Pistons. But that's besides the point. I think that's the ceiling for 
Peyton Pritchard, I don't know if he can get there because Brunson is just a, a much bigger body, so he, he can bang down low with guys a little bit more and is going to have an easier time finishing at the rim. Pritchard, when he's out there, looks pretty small. I mean, he, he is not a huge guy. He's got great range, and he does you know what he can defensively, but at the end of the day, when you're just as uh, as short and, and frankly, as skinny as, as he is, there are just defensive limitations and he can go down and play solid defense, but guys are just bigger and stronger than him and they kind of always will be. And so I think that limits his potential upside, but do I see him as a regular backup point guard in the NBA? Yeah. I mean, he handles the ball. Well, he shoots it well, he can facilitate and he's not mailing it in at the defensive end of the floor. He's probably not a guy who has the physical traits to be a lockdown defender, but can he, you know, do enough to the point where you want him on the floor and his offensive production is sufficient? Excuse me. I, I think that he absolutely can't. I mean, you're over 40% in two full seasons at the NBA level. That's really, really good. And if you can do that, you'll always be able to find a role. And I, I think that he he definitely will be able to. His scoring field goal percentage and minutes all came down slightly this year. Not like a ton. Uh, that was probably more of a, a, a feel thing, but I mean, basically I, I think if he's able to take another step forward, then maybe the Celtics would consider picking up a fifth year option. But if he stays where he's at right now, I bet you they'd be willing to, to let him walk after four years. And then somebody would certainly pick him up because there aren't that many guards who you know are going to give you what, what they can at the defensive end of the floor, willing to be a backup could maybe come in and have a couple spot starts and, and at least be serviceable for a few games should a guy get hurt and and knock down threes at a good clip as well with range. Uh, I think there's always going to be a place, in, uh, especially in the modern NBA, for a guy like that. I appreciate the question. Keep them coming. Again, tweet with the hashtag AskLODpod. DM me at smalls underscore 55 or at LockedOnDucks, or you can hop in the YouTube comments as well. I appreciate you making this your first listen. Go make Lockdown Pack 12 your second. I'm hosting, talking about the Conference of Champions. I appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and go Ducks.